I think that the highlight of the weekend for me was just the simple times of gathering around a, a table and men sharing their own personal experiences with one another. We had great speakers and we had great music and we had wonderful times of fellowship and great food. But the highlight for me was just when men sit around a table, when men sit together and they begin telling experiences of what Jesus has done in their life. It reaffirmed in my spirit and in my heart the difference that Jesus makes in a life. I think of guys that were on the retreat like Scott Giorgio. He shared his personal testimony with me one morning as we were eating breakfast together. And George Gonzalez was there as well. And I spent just a brief time with him, but it was someone else, I believe it was Dr. Vijay, who told me about George's testimony as they sat around a table and shared with one another what God had done in his life. I, I think about Fernando Castellanos, who was there at the retreat with us, and so willing to share about the power of Jesus and what Jesus had done in his life. We need Jesus. There was a man named Nicodemus who went to Jesus because he felt like there was something wanting in his life. He felt like there was something that he needed that wasn't there. It's interesting because the passage of Scripture that we study this morning begins by saying there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. It's interesting to me that he found something wanting in his life, that he found that there was something that was missing. Because by anyone's definition, Nicodemus had it all. He certainly was a definition for success. We are told in the scriptures that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. That is to say that he was one of an elite group of people. As a matter of fact, in all of Israel, there were only 6,000 Pharisees. These Pharisees were men who had solemnly vowed to devote their entire life, every moment of every day, to keeping the Ten Commandments. They delved beneath the Ten Commandments, and they wondered what each commandment meant, and they began to write a book called the Mishnah that would explain the Ten Commandments and, and tell the people of Israel how they were to live by the Ten Commandments. They would get into explicit detail, 24 chapters on how to keep the Sabbath holy such explicit detail that they felt like it, it needed a, a, a book of explanation. And so they, they authored another book called, called the Talmud, which interprets the meaning and, and gives application of the Mishnah. These men's lives were dedicated to being moral, to being good, to pleasing God by keeping His law. Every dot, every tittle, every part of the law. Not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, but he was also a member of the Sanhedrin, even 
a more elite group. It was a select group of 70 people that were led by the high priest of the time. These were religious men who ran the religious affairs of Israel. They had authority over every Jew in the world. They had respect. They had influence. They had power. They were very, very important. I would imagine that when the disciples heard that Jesus had a one-on-one meeting with Nicodemus, that they were quite impressed by that. Nicodemus was also a teacher. It tells us in the 10th verse of chapter 3 that he was the teacher in Israel. It implies that he was a teacher of teachers. He was the master teacher, if you will. I want you to get this. Here's Nicodemus. He is a highly religious man. He has touched every religious base. He was a moral guy. He was a good guy. He did good. He had reached what people would say was the pinnacle of religious success. Yet he comes to Jesus because something in his life was missing. This religious pinnacle that he had reached, that he had experienced, that he was known for, it wasn't enough for him. I think for some, it was enough. But there was this hole in Nicodemus' soul that couldn't be filled with religion. And so, he came to Jesus. It says, In the second verse, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus seeks, uh, Nicodemus seeks out Jesus, but I ask you to consider this morning, who really sought who? The Bible says no one comes to God unless God draws that person to himself. Nicodemus was a a man who sought after the truth. If you're a seeker of truth, I, I, I want you to know this morning, it's no accident that you're here today to hear what God has for you. What the Holy Spirit wants to share with you. Did you understand what I said? It's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that Nicodemus showed up at Jesus' door in the middle of the night. There was a drawing in his life. There was a hole in his soul. There were some questions that needed answered. There was this discomfort, this discontent, this dissatisfaction, which is really strange because he had touched all the religious bases. Some of you are here and you can identify with Nicodemus. Maybe you've been in church for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Maybe you've tried the best that you know how to touch all of the religious bases. Maybe you're at a place in your relationship with God where it would have to be 
defined by frustration. That's what it is. It's frustration. This isn't working out the way I thought it was going to work out. I'm not experiencing the things I hear the preacher talk about. There's no joy in my life. There's only this sense of dissatisfaction. But I've gone to church. I've sung the songs. I've given my money. I've served in the ministry. Nicodemus had done all of that. He had devoted his life to it. He was a teacher to the teachers. I believe that if you want to experience all that God has for you, if you want to kind of be able to wrap yourself in that cloak that we might call spiritual success, you got to come to Jesus. Because Jesus is the key to that. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he readily admits, you got to be from God. Nobody can do the things that you have done. He was a guy that could be clumped into this group of people that we saw at the end of chapter 2, where it says, when Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. When they saw his miracles, they were drawn to him. When they saw his miracles, they thought to himself, this guy, he must be from God. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. He he didn't need anyone to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus was able to see these people as he's able to see Nicodemus. And while Nicodemus believed that, that Jesus was a man who had been sent from God, he certainly didn't believe that Jesus was God. He certainly didn't believe that Jesus was a Savior. He certainly didn't believe in Jesus as Messiah. There's this group of people who see the works, the signs, the miracles that Jesus performs, and they're drawn to Him, and they they know He's special, they know He's different, but they're not ready to look at Him as Savior. While Nicodemus asked no question of Jesus to this point in their conversation, Jesus responds to Nicodemus with an answer. How so? Because Jesus knows the heart of men. Jesus understands what's going on inside of Nicodemus. Jesus has already determined why it is that Nicodemus has been drawn to him. Nicodemus is a religious man, and yet there is something lacking in his life. And Jesus' response in the third verse is this, truly, truly, I say to you, this is really, really important, Nicodemus. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot experience the kingdom of God. Listen, This touched a red button for Nicodemus. His whole life was about the kingdom of God. He taught about the kingdom of God. He looked forward to the kingdom of God. He knew the Old Testament frontwards and backwards. By the time he was 12 years old, he had memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. Have you ever read Leviticus? It's a difficult read, much less 
trying to memorize it. But Nicodemus had an understanding of the kingdom of God. And here, Jesus is telling him, unless a man is born again, he cannot see, he cannot understand, he cannot experience, he cannot be a part of the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, Jesus says. Nicodemus' response in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Look, I think this is sarcasm more than anything else. Nicodemus is a very, very, very intelligent man. He knows that you can't go back and be born again. Uh, Go back into your mother's womb and be born again. But he asks the question anyway, can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I think that Nicodemus is He's drawn to this idea of a rebirth. And it's a great concern to him. Nicodemus probably came to Jesus looking for something else to add to what he had already accomplished. What do I add to my life so that I can experience this comfort, this sense of satisfaction, this sense of contentment? When Jesus starts talking about a rebirth, He's trying to communicate to Nicodemus, you got to start all over. It's got to be a rebirth. It's got to be a regeneration. You have to be born again. Jesus uses this word must. It's a very, very important word in all of Scripture. Here, He uses it on purpose. you you got to be born again. You must be born again. Nicodemus didn't really seem to get it, but but what it implied was not something that was comfortable to him. There's a lot of people that don't get this born again thing. This is a, a study that was done by Barna. It's probably 15 years old now, though I believe that we can still glean a lot from it. I believe that there's still a lot of truth that we can see in it. Did you know that 85% of Americans identify themselves as Christians? 85%. Of that 85%, 33%, about a third, say, yes, I've been born again. say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not born again. There's this misunderstanding of it. There's this, there's this, um, I'm I'm not sure what that means. But Jesus says to us, you must be born again. A couple of things. Jesus' reply is to what he sees in Nicodemus' heart. He knows the why. Jesus knows your heart. The Bible says in John chapter 2 and verse 25, Jesus knows what's inside a man. Nicodemus is beginning to understand that being really, really, really good is not good enough. Nicodemus has already experienced that being really, really, really good doesn't satisfy. And that in order to truly be a spiritual success, you have to be born again. 
It means a second birth. It means, literally, it means being born from above. Understand, folks, understand Nicodemus. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not behavior modification. It's not making a recommitment. It's starting over. It's not renewal of something in the past. It's a brand new life. It's starting over. I want to tell you again, because I know there are some here who really struggle with this, that this was tough for Nicodemus. He had the Pharisee thing going on in his life. He had the Sanhedrin thing going on in his life. He had the teacher thing going on in his life. Those were good things. And he wondered, what do I need to do? What do I need to add to those things? To understand, to see, to experience the kingdom of God. Jesus says, no, no, no. You must be born again. you got to start over. Nicodemus had given his life to study, to learn, to do good. Jesus says, no. You gotta start over. You gotta have a rebirth. You gotta be born a second time. This is about regeneration, not religion. In order to be a spiritual success, we need to understand the difference between religion and regeneration. Religion, now listen, I want you to listen carefully because I think that it, 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 I think you can relate to this. I believe that in every single person in this room, every elder in this room, every teacher in this room, that, there's, that there is at least to some degree this, this misunderstanding of religion and regeneration. To some degree, all of us at some times in our life go back to what I've done that's good. And we're ready to defend ourselves that way. I go to church, I teach a class, I give in the offering, I have a ministry, I, you know. But there's a difference between religion and, and rebirth, religion and regeneration. Religion says, I can earn God's favor, I can achieve God's favor, I can do things to make myself pleasing in His sight. I can earn His love. But rebirth and regeneration say God's love is an undeserved gift that's offered to us. That's a huge difference. Religion says the the good in my life can outweigh the sin. Regeneration says Jesus' death on the cross takes my sin away. Religion says I've got to give up part of my life to this religion thing. But regeneration says, I give Him all that I am. I commit my life to Him. Religion says, I'm going to try hard. 
I imagine that being a very, 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 very good man was a difficult task for even Nicodemus. It was something that he had to discipline himself in and he had to try and try and try. You can relate to that. You do the same thing. We get up here and tell you the do's and don'ts. We tell you you ought to do this and you ought to do that and you ought to do this. And we become frustrated when we make a commitment to it and we depend on our discipline and we try to do the right things. I'm going to be in the Word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell people. I'm going to give. I'm going to do these things. And we try and we try and we try. That's religion. Regeneration is trusting God. Regeneration is belief. Regeneration is allowing Him to transform us. Allowing Him to accomplish things through us. It's His power. It's His strength. There's a difference. And Nicodemus was having a difficult time really trying to understand that difference. Why was he having a difficult time? Because he was having a difficult time understanding the difference between the physical and the spiritual. And so Jesus goes on in this conversation and He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Let me go back to verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, listen Nicodemus, this is really important. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. There's a difference in the physical and the spiritual. It's a challenge for us to operate in the spiritual realm it's in the physical realm that, 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 that things have to make sense, that things have to be logical. It's in the, the, the physical realm that we've got to understand that, 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 there's, a, that there's a result to every action and, and, and we've got, you know, we got to be able to wrap our mind around that. But in the spiritual realm, it has to do with a a God who's real, a God who's alive, a God that we can't possibly understand, but a God that we believe in and a God that we give ourselves to and a God that we trust. And it's not so much a, 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 a need to have an understanding. There's a pursuit of truth. There's a pursuit of what is right. But it's, it's, it's a belief. It's an understanding. It's a, it's a trust that we have. Nicodemus was having a difficult time with that. Don't let the physical blind you to the spiritual realities. And don't try to explain the spiritual with the physical. I think what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus is what I'm trying to tell you and why you're having a difficult time with this is that you cannot understand the spiritual in the physical realm. In verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel. Don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. You have to be born of the flesh. You have to be born of the Spirit. One of the things that is so difficult, but maybe the reason... Jesus kind of uses this illustration is that we can begin to understand that our physical birth required no effort on our own part. We didn't have anything to do with the conception and the delivery. We, we don't have anything to do with the spiritual rebirth. 
It is something that Jesus has done. It is something that we receive as a gift. Maybe this began to kind of turn on the light. Maybe there was a, a, a bit of acceptance by Nicodemus as he understands that he didn't have anything to do with this physical birth. And now Jesus is telling me I have to be born spiritually, but it's not something that I do. It's not being a Pharisee. It's not being on the Sanhedrin. It's not being a teacher. It's not knowing the law frontwards and backwards. It's something that He does in me. It's a, it's a transformation that takes place. Maybe Nicodemus is beginning to understand a little bit. Jesus says, let me help you a little bit more. I want to give you an illustration. In verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You have a difficult time explaining the wind. You have a difficult time understanding the wind. But you accept it. But you believe in it. It's real. No argument there, but you don't see it. It's powerful, but you don't control it. You can't see the Spirit in someone's life, but you can, you can see the effects that the Spirit has in someone's life. Are you getting it, Nicodemus? Is, is it becoming a little clearer now, this idea of being born again? Nicodemus said to him, I, how can these things be? I think that, look, I'm impressed that Nicodemus has this humility about him that he, this great, great, great teacher would say to Jesus, I don't understand. Maybe that's where some of us this morning are at. Where we just need to say, you know what? I, I don't understand. Admit what we don't know. It's, a, it's an answer to one of the hindrances that, that lets us come and experience regeneration and rebirth and being born again. Nicodemus could have said, I already know all that, Jesus. His hindrance there would have been pride. He could have said, I'm the teacher. That's not how it's done. I'm going to rely on tradition." Ignorance, misunderstanding, tradition, pride, all hinder us from just coming to Jesus and allowing Him to regenerate us. Jesus is very honest with Nicodemus. I don't want to say something to you. Jesus doesn't have the kind of strategy or method that we tend to implore, that we tend to have. He just tells it like it is. Jesus, this is early in his ministry. He's starting a movement that's going to change the world. Think of it even as planting a church in Jerusalem. Here this guy comes to see him who has influence, who has power, who has authority, who can get things done. You think Jesus would be politically correct. You think Jesus would do a little bit of smoozing with this guy. 
He just looks at him eyeball to eyeball, face to face, and he says, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Maybe we should adopt Jesus' strategy. Maybe we should adopt Jesus' method. You know what? The, the message of this church has got to be, you've got to be born again. We're good at telling people about you can have joy and you can have peace and you can have understanding and God will give you guidance and direction. But you know what? You got to be born again. You got to be born again. Jesus continues to pound that truth home. He says, I've told you of earthly things you don't believe. I've told you the truth. I've told you the physical part. You don't believe. How is it that you think you're going to believe the spiritual things? Very honest with Nicodemus. Verses 14. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, now he's really talking about something that Nicodemus can understand. He's talking about an event that takes place in the book of Numbers. He's just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. Oh, there's the answer. Oh, there's the key. Jesus reminds Nicodemus of something that he was very, very familiar with. A story in the 21st chapter of Numbers where the people of Israel were were being besieged by poisonous snakes. They were being bitten. People were dying. Moses goes to God and he says, what are we going to do about this problem? God says, put a, st- a snake on a pole and lift it up high. And when the people are bitten, if they will look at that snake, they will live and they won't die. Jesus says to Nicodemus, it's kind of like that. You have to have the faith. You have to believe to look. There's no physical reason why that plan should work. It takes belief. It takes faith. It's in the spiritual realm. He says to Nicodemus, he says to you today, here's the answer. How can someone be born again? Jesus says, I must be lifted up. Further in the Gospel of John, we'll see this. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw men to myself. He said this indicating the way that he would die. Jesus says, here's how you're born born again. I will be lifted up. And then you must look at me and believe in me. By looking at me, it's it's a form of confession. By looking at me, it's saying, I know that I've been wrong. I know that I have sinned. And I believe that the one who hangs on that cross, has the power and authority to take my place, to make my payment, to take my sins away. you got to be born again. You're born again when you gaze upon the Savior. When you believe in Him, then you have eternal life. Born once, die twice, physically and spiritually. Born twice, die once, only physically. Look, we need Jesus. It's not lost on me 
that there are many in this room who are frustrated with the religious life. It, it hasn't worked. There's no peace. There's no joy. There's no contentment. There's no satisfaction. There's only hard work. There's only discipline. There's only labor. And it's, it, it, and it's not resulting in, in anything of substance in my life. You've got to be born again. It's a regeneration. It's not a religion. You've got to come to a place when you recognize that you're a sinner. I imagine that was hard for Nicodemus. You know what? I'm a sinner. <laughs> but you've got to recognize. You've got to come to that place. I'm, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets into the kingdom. No one gets into heaven except by me. Jesus said, I'm the only provision of a Savior. I'm the only provision God has given for your sin. And if you're, if you're ready, if you're at a place where you say, I, look, I, I, I'm a sinner. I, I, I've messed up. And Jesus says, I'm the provision for that. I'm lifted up. Look upon me. Believe in me. Trust in me. Have faith in me. Know that I died in your place. Know that I made that payment. There's so many that are, are hindered because they don't have this spiritual understanding. They have to understand it first. But the Bible tells us that unless a man has the Spirit of God in him, he cannot understand spiritual things. First you have to have faith. First you have to believe. Then a regeneration takes place. Then the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And then there begins to be an understanding of spiritual things. It's not understanding and then belief. It's belief and then understanding. So we're going to have a time of worship. I'm going to be here at the front and old Jerry Sharpless, he's going to come down here and stand at the front and Pastor Jim's going to stand at the front and we'll have some other guys. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to praise Him. We're going to thank Him for His sacrifice. It's not a religious thing that we do. It's an authentic gratitude and thanksgiving for who He is, for what He has done. Anytime during this time of worship that you want to talk about this, I pray that God would give you the boldness to come. Take me by the hand. Pastor Jim, by the hand. Jerry, by the hand. Take one of us and say, "Just I, I, I need you to tell me about this. Maybe you might come and say, you know what, I've been going to church a long time, but I need to get born again. I need to be born again. Maybe you, you say, I, I feel like I need to go. I don't even know what to say. Just come up here and take us by the hand and look at us in the face and we'll take it from there. We love you. We love you. You need Jesus. I want to show you Jesus. I want you to experience Jesus. I want to invite you to stand. This is a time of worship. This is a time of celebration. This is a time of praise. God, receive our worship from pure hearts. We offer it to you. We love you. We want to express that to you now. In Jesus' name.